Village, I am grateful that even when we are having a bit of a raggedy Sunday, <laughs> where things just don't flow as smoothly, and there are days like that, I am thankful for those who are working the sound in the video. I am thankful for those who are working the music. I am thankful for those of you who are bearing with us. God's spirit is still at work, and we are still one people worshiping the living God. And so I am reading this morning from the Gospel of John, and this is chapter 14, uh, starting at verse 25. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, here we are halfway through the year 2020, and if you're anything like me, uh, you have seen an awful lot of memes and jokes about this wonderful year that we are experiencing. So uh, I pulled a couple of the memes uh, that have been circulating, and here's one. Travel plans in 2020 be like, and the reality is a, a dish strainer full of dishes. Kind of looks like the Sydney Opera House, though, so pretend. Or this one. Ah, yes, a nice cup of 2020. And he drinks, and the cup pokes him in the eye. This is uh, how so many of us are feeling about this year, 2020. And, and many of us are kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. We're kind of asking, what comes next? And can't we just get past this year and start anew in 2021? I mean, after all, there is this thing called the coronavirus, which continues to spread. Is uh, There are more states right now in the U.S. Where it's, where it's increasing than the total number where it's flat or in decline. We don't know when this pandemic will end. It's changed all of our lives right now. We have seen during this uh, first half of 2020 uh, these demonstrations that are seeking racial justice in the face of these instances where our unarmed people of color are being treated as if they're guilty before proven innocent instead of the other way around. We are in the midst 
of a presidential election year. And friends, you know this every time we have a presidential election. It gets anxious and there are debates and there are ads that are horrible and all of that happens no matter who is running. That adds to this year. And then on top of that, see, murder hornets, Plagues of locusts in some places, above the usual. And now this weekend, the Saharan Godzilla dust storm. You know, you're just like, what comes next? Okay, bring it on already. And in this church this week, it was, it was a hard week for the church. You know, we, we lost Jeff Mars. But we also, some of you would know longtime member Robert Traeger. We lost him this week. Judy fell and broke her shoulder and had shoulder replacement surgery. And I know there are a lot of you that are going through things in your personal lives that just add to this whole mess of 2020. And we're just like, whew, what? A year so far, and we're only halfway through. Of course, uh, the truth is that throughout human history, there are these times when things just really are unsettled, feel chaotic, when there are things we face that are difficult. I mean, that is, uh, uh, again and again, uh, the story of Scripture is that... It, there are just bad things that happen along the way. And part of the issue is that, of course, in our day and age, being so globalized, unlike earlier pandemics, even the 1918 Spanish flu or the bubonic plague or, or typhoid or whatever, we weren't as mobile, number one, so the transmission was much slower and not as uh, rapid as we see in this kind of world and society. And on top of that, it was hard to know what was going on all over the world in instantaneously. I mean, if it weren't for sort of our instantaneous news and internet, we would probably never have heard of the murder hornet. And we'd come across one and go, well, that's an interesting little thing. Right? But now we're all on the lookout for it because we can share these things. But there's another side as well, and that is that in 2020, we know so much more about viruses and, and transmission and how to prevent it than anybody in the past did. They were probably thinking it was witches running around or something. We know today what's causing this, and we actually have good hope for things like vaccines and treatment. And so we are not left in a situation where, you know, we're, we're looking at, we don't know, have any way forward. We, we have some ways forward. But the problem is this. We have yet to discover a mask for free will. We have yet to discover a mask for selfishness. We have yet to discover a mask for greed and pride and a lack of caring 
I mean, this is the human condition. And, you know, uh, I, let me just say this. That at, the, at the start of the Enlightenment, back in the 18th century, they were actually confident that human beings would figure it out how to live together well and how to always do the right thing. And I'm, I'm here to tell you it didn't work out. We cannot solve this problem of human nature. And the only way we villagers know how to work on that particular problem is by the power of God in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. These are the things that help us in our human condition to walk the way that leads to life and to care about other people. And so we come to this passage in the Gospel of John, which is part of uh, what we call the last discourse of Jesus, this long, uh, this lengthy uh, section in the Gospel of John, where Jesus knows he's going to be crucified and resurrected and ascend, and he's not going to be with them, and he, he's trying to tell them all the things he thinks they need to hear before he leaves. Uh, some of you will remember that a few years back there was a man who was terminal with cancer, a professor, and he wrote a book called The Last Lecture with all the things he wanted to say before he left this earth. And so it is with uh, this part of the Gospel of John. I mean, I imagine Jesus is looking at his disciples, and they're a mess. I mean, his disciples still get afraid. His disciples still don't do the things he's telling them to do. They're still making a mess of things. They don't act the way they should. And he's thinking, all right, now when I leave, what's going to happen to these people? And there's this sense, I think, of what happens when someone we depend upon so much, someone who, who guides us, who comforts us, who gives us hope, who points the way, when we lose that person from our life, it can be shattering. I mean, I know that there are many of us who at some point in our life have lost someone so dear to us that we find ourselves asking, how will I live without them? How will I go on? How am I going to be okay? I mean, I know that many of you know that very feeling. And this is what Jesus does not want in the lives of his disciples. Which is why he says, you know what? You will receive the Holy Spirit. Now, the word that is used here is paraclete, not parakeet, that's a bird. Paraclete with an L. And it's not found 
else in all of the Bible except for here in John about four times and once in uh, 1 John. It's an unusual Greek word that comes from the verb parakaleo. And parakaleo has a wide range of meanings. So it can mean to call to one side. It can mean to encourage. It can mean to help. It can mean to comfort. It can mean and is used in Greek in a variety of ways. And the problem is that it does not translate well into English. So we get this word paraclete, and it ends up being translated as advocate or as comforter or as helper, or as companion. We try and find a word to express this sort of deeper, richer meaning. And all of them fall short because it only gives this little piece of what is meant here by paraclete. And it seems to me that the way we really begin to get some sense of what Jesus would mean by saying, you know, you're going to receive the paraclete, is to connect it to this very interesting phrase that I will not leave you orphaned. Orphaned. You know, if you stop and think about that, think about an orphan. An orphan doesn't belong anywhere. An orphan has no one who loves them and no one for them to love. Uh, an orphan has no one to show them the way in life. An orphan has no one who will guide them and counsel them and stand with them. An orphan yeah, doesn't come home at the end of the day after school knowing someone's going to be there with a snack and dinner later. An orphan is left without any anchor to find their own way in the world. Which is probably why in the scripture so often there's this commandment about caring for the widow, the orphan, and the stranger because they really cannot care for themselves. They don't have the means to take care of themselves. They are left without anyone, anything, to walk with them through life. Strangely enough, in the past couple weeks, I have been connected to stories of orphans. Uh, I just finished reading this wonderful book, where the Crawdads Sing, I've recommended it to some of you, which is really about a young girl uh, raised in a shack in the marshes of North Carolina who ends up orphaned and has to figure out how to live by herself in this shack in the marshes alone, without anyone. And then I turned on a couple episodes on Netflix of Anne with an E, which is based on uh, Anne of Green Gables, which is the story of an orphan who ends up living with a, an older a brother and sister who never married, and over time they become a family. 
And it made me think how common this theme of the orphan is in stories. I mean, there's Oliver Twist, right? There's uh, uh, Little Orphan Annie. When I was a little girl, I loved to watch Shirley Temple in The Little Princess. Some of you will remember that, where she's an orphan because they think her dad has died. And in all of these plot lines, being an orphan is so difficult to be left without a place where you belong in the world and without a way to move forward. And yet all of those stories seem to end on a happy note where the orphan has found the way to live, to love, and to be loved. And this connection to love and be loved, you know, if, if we were to backtrack in chapter 14, it's going to talk about love, right? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, paraclete, to be with you forever. I will not leave you orphaned. I will not leave you orphaned. If you love me. You know, this is really an act of love on God's part to send the Spirit, the Paraclete. There is a reason that Christians talk so much and our sermons talk so much about love. And it is because it is really the central message of the whole of the New Testament. You know, if you go back to the Old Testament, you're going to get a message about God's covenant with the people and what a mess the people are and how many things start to go wrong over and over again. And it's as if God says, all right, let me fix this. I love you all. I'm going to send Jesus. Jesus is going to give you the Holy Spirit, and let's find a different way to live. Love is this central message of the New Testament, the commandment to love God and neighbor, this whole notion that God loves us so much that he'd give us Jesus Christ. And that Jesus loves us so much not to leave us orphaned, but to give us the Holy Spirit to walk with us no matter what. This love is, is the heart here. But what's really interesting about John 14 is it says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It doesn't say, if you love me, you will say it. It doesn't say, if you love me, you'll tell people you love me. It doesn't say, if you love me, you'll go around from block to block saying, I love Jesus. Do you? It says, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. If you love me, you are going to let that spirit conform your will to my will. If you love me, you're going to let 
My spirit guide you in the way that leads to life. You're going to let that spirit show you what it means to follow Jesus day in and day out. You're going to show with your very life this love that I have for you and for the whole of creation and that you claim you have for me and for others. I don't think that Jesus here means something like you're going to do these huge things that change the world. I think Jesus is saying you're going to live your life in ways that the small things express love. You're going to uh, be like Reed and Peggy, and you're just going to show up at the church and plant flowers outside because they look good and because you can. You don't have to do that. Or maybe Patty calls and says, you know what, I, I need someone to drive the mobile meals route this week, and you say, okay, I'll, I'll do it. You don't have to, and you can say no. Or you can bend your will and out of the love of God do something. It, you know, it, it's Linda opening her house for Jeff to live there for 12 years. You can say no, it's your house. It's Philip Farrell. When I call and say, Philip, I have a shed in the backyard. I can't, I can't figure out how to tear it apart. Saying, I'm, I'm on my way. I'll come and help you rip it up. Seems like a small thing. I mean, isn't going to make the news. Philip Farrell tears down shed for Elaine Robinson. No, it's not going to be anything anybody notices, but it is an act of love. It's a doing because we can. The small things that show that we're shaping and conforming our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit to what God would have us do in the world. This past week on Monday at about 5 o'clock, I got a call from Robert Traeger's sister-in-law saying, uh, we have a funeral tomorrow at 2. Would you, would you preside at it? We didn't think we wanted anybody, and now we do. And some people said to me, why didn't you just say no? There are lots of good reasons I could have said no. But there's something in me that says, but what would the Spirit ask of me? I mean, if I don't have anything in writing in stone that I have to do at that particular hour, then I should just bend all my no's and objections and do what Jesus would do. It doesn't make me a great person. It just means that I'm trying my best to let the Spirit shape me and point me toward the way that God needs me to spread those little bits of love in the world. You know, I think most of the time, love is just going to kind of seep out of us rather than gush like a fire hose. But that seems to be the essence of Jesus. That so often for him, it's in those small human contacts where the depths of his love is really revealed. And so, in the midst 
of 2020, in the midst of all the things we're feeling and going through, the Gospel of John tells us that we are not orphaned, that no matter what we're facing, whenever, wherever, big or small, we have the paraclete, this one who guides us, loves us, shows us, helps us, advocates for us, does all these things for us. If we will simply, living in the midst of that love, Keep the commandments of God and try to allow the Spirit to bend our will just that little bit more toward the living God, toward the way of Christ. I don't know what the next six months might hold, but I do know that we have the gift of the Spirit and the love of God, and that all things are possible through the power and the presence and the possibility of perfection that comes with this gift of the paraclete. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.